greatest of kings. Indulge me in this friendly Christmas game. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Underrated Podcast. This is a podcast where we discuss films that are underrated, unappreciated, and ones that have just slipped under the radar and passed most people by. I am one of your hosts, Derek McDuff, and with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Ariel Ortiz. Hello. And Alan Torres. Hey, what's up, everybody? How's it going? And this is our Christmas special. This year, we're going to be talking about the my pick, uh, and so for my underrated, kind of under-the-radar Christmas pick, I chose a more recent film. I chose 2021's The Green Knight, uh, written, edited, and directed uh, and produced by one of my favorite directors, David Lowry, um, adapted from the 14th century poem Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, part of the Arthurian cycle and the Matter of Britain. This is one of my favorite ones to kind of just be like, is this a Christmas movie? Sparked some good questions in me about what is a Christmas movie, but also it's just one of my favorite movies just in general from the past couple of years. I've really liked this one since it first came out. It's an A24 film, but I Certified think Certified banger I, already. <laughs> I know Ariel's seen it before, but I, I know it's Alan's first time. So I, I want to, before I go into my thoughts on I wanted to hear what you guys had to say. Alan, since it was your first time, why, why don't you kick it off? Sure. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I dug the movie a lot. I mean, it's, I won't lie. A24, I'm, I'm kind of a slut for, so I'm like, all right, <laughs> yeah, I got to watch it. Uh, I dug it. It was cool. Gorgeous movie to watch. Like it's like a lot of great cinematography, a lot of sh- like wonderful shots, almost every frame a picture kind of thing. It was a little slow. I will say it is kind of a, a slow burn of a movie, but there's something about the pacing that isn't too bad. I think it's just everything kind of just was so... I don't know how to explain. Like, it, it was kind of fast and slow. I don't know. I would like, say there was deliberate. Some... I would, that's the word I would use, is deliberately paced. Okay, yeah, I guess I, guess I agree with that, yeah. Because, like, it's a very simple story to follow. Like, it's pretty, you know, straightforward. I love those kind of old style, like, you know, epic poems kind of thing like it reminded me a lot of beowulf which i'm a, i love beowulf and i'm not gonna lie i kind of made me want to go back and watch the uh oh my god what's his name it's the cgi beowulf it came out in the 2000s oh, zemeckis Zeme- it was zemeckis right all right beowulf. yeah it's, it's the C- it's the zemeckis dead eyes period yeah, I won't lie. I dug it a lot when it came out, but anyways, maybe written by Neil we'll, we'll Gaiman. So you know, really, that, yeah, he did the he did the screenplay. So, damn. Well, he's really great at writing like at like that style of epic poem or, or getting from that like his Norse mythology book. But again, we're getting sidetracked. Green Knight, though, I really like the visuals a lot. Uh, <laughs> there was one moment what <laughs> made me laugh out loud, and I immediately text. Derek, I was like, did I just see some nut in this movie? <laughs> yeah. I was like, no fucking way. I was like, I've only seen nut in like two other movies, End of Evangelion and like Itchy the Killer. And so I was like, pleasant surprise. So, <laughs> I'm glad they like, kinda like, are they going to show it? Oh, fuck. They just did. I would no. I honestly didn't even think of it. I didn't think they were going to show it. I was just like, oh, you know, 
whatever random sex scene and then he's holding it and i was like ah now that's arthurian right there (laughs) (laughs) i was like oh um." but yeah that 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 part kind of had me giggling at like (laughs) nine in the morning i was just like wow okay cool (laughs) um yeah the acting was great um dave patel yeah dave patel Dev Patel, okay. Yeah. Sorry, I, I always get his name confused because like his name sounds like Dave Patel, the comedian. <laughs> so I don't want to get them confused. But he was great, he was phenomenal. I really liked I, I don't know, I, I you know what I was worried about going into? I was worried that it was gonna try and be too set in realism. Like I thought they were gonna be like, it's in an, an Arthurian legend, but we're not gonna really give a shit. And it was great seeing like the giants. And like the talking fox, and I was like, okay, cool. Like I'm, I'm very easy with that shit. So when you start showing me like myths and and creatures, I'm like, oh, okay, this is really cool. But yeah, and then to I guess, oh, I guess we'll save the Christmas question till after Ariel, because uh, I feel like that's gonna be the big theme of this episode. So uh, yeah, I dug it, and I uh, want to hear what you got to say, Ariel. No, I, I I enjoy it for the most part. Um, I think it's I think it's an a, a okay movie overall. I do I do enjoy and I I love the cinematography and and how beautiful that is. Just the the character design of of the Green Knight is is really awesome and and all these different characters. The moral of it is is very interesting and and I enjoy it a lot because of of how it is a man on a lesson and essentially he does he does falter uh, multiple different times and it's only at the end where he finally chooses seemingly chooses the right the right thing to do it's very much a a movie to be interpreted multiple ways and and Mm -hmm. and to leave you guessing and and what is to happen and kind of choose your own adventure i know that that Lowry himself left it that way and that he had changed his ending from originally being essentially a one a, a certain ending to to this more open-ended question of of an ending which is uh, as i was like reading through the the poem itself of it's very different of of the poem itself and and how the poem is more of a clear a clear cut but but a good ending you could say where you know Gwen does reveal that you know like or he does allow the the blow to happen but the green knight has had always seen it as a game and um Gwen had had revealed like oh i was wearing the sash and he's like it's fine you know, the green knight is just like it's fine so it's very much like a when I was watching videos as well of like the difference in in the original interpretation of or the original telling of the story and then and then Lowry's telling of the story and how they are very much opposites of like the original poem is very much of like you don't have to be perfect kind of like story like you can falter but as long as you continue on striving to the virtues of Arthurian court essentially uh you could you could you know you'll be fine you'll be worthy of being a knight whereas this this one is a lot more no you should require these five virtues and live by them very much as strictly you know as you can 
and then that that in being will will make you a knight and so yeah like this whole this whole his whole journey essentially of him failing these these five arthurian virtues and it isn't until the end where he kind of like I, I in my my interpretation is that he starts on his path to to finally accomplishing those virtues you know i try to i try to think of it as a more um a more, a more like hopeful kind of ending and in the way of like it being that he the green knight as some as somehow like you know is the poem itself lets him off as like you you learned your lesson and that ties back into like that probably is how it's gonna go because the whole thing of, of his his mother who is morgana famously of our 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 30 and legend um morgan is, morgan yeah, Fay, morgan, yeah morgan morgan lefay that you know she she set this as a test for him to learn a lesson and that's that's my interpretation is i know that there's multiple different ter- interpretations of of did she, which direction she wanted it because it, if you know see her actions if we we think of it as as all these different things these people that he interacts with as being her but in disguise or like her her placing all these all these um tasks or or things to test his his you know his five virtues then are you trying to persuade your your son to get killed or not so it's like I don't think she is in my interpretation of the story and that what, yeah. What are the five uh, virtues? Yeah, um that, there's none of that specifically in the film. It's like text mm-hmm. subtext, not text. It's it's the it's it's actually depicted in the five stars that they constantly show. That that's actually in the Arthurian like that is a representation of the Arthurian legend. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it, it's subtext, yeah. Oh yeah, subtext, yeah. But um but it, yeah, I'm I'm saying like it is present in the film itself, um, like phys- like visually present in the film itself. Um, it's like chivalry, piety. What's the like <laughs> the one that and not not really integrity, but like a like like sh- chivalrousness. So like the first the first one is um oh friendship is another one, charity. So the first one is essentially like he fails is is the the kid in the battlefield and stuff like that and he could could have given him a lot more money. Oh, the Joker. Was, yeah. Yeah, the Joker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or or you I know, think you mean, um, uh, yeah, the Eternal. from the Eternals. <laughs> yeah. Um By the way, he's but, so perfectly cast and this is just like a grubby little guy. And he's also in yeah. Alan, he's in Chernobyl. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I forgot. I need to finish it. We yeah. we yeah. got into yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. We're going <laughs> off track. Um, but yeah, so that that first that's the first ch- not challenge task or or thing that he, he kind of fails at is because he could have provided charity. He didn't even ask like how the kid was doing, like you know, with both of his brothers um, being killed in this battle. That essentially, like his uncle possibly, you know, caused or and and killed all these these Saxons essentially. Because they do make the reference of like the king that killed nine hundred and whatever, because which is an Arthurian legend. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so he doesn't offer any kind of like anything like you know like that, and or does and only offers him a coin, and he only offers it because Fortune he's enough. told. Yeah, because he's told Fortune. the where he points out where the green chapel is. So that's like the first one that he fails, and then he fails with with Winifred, the the ghost in the cabin of. 
he's he's instead he's not chivalrous in that instance where he he should as a knight go and just fetch her head instead of like well what do i get in in return for it so he should have just that you know. that made me laugh was when she's like why would you ask me that and he's like oh yeah yeah, like, yeah like, so it's kind of like a reminder yeah yeah and then then he fails at uh friendship with joel egerton's character of um of essentially like he didn't keep that promise of like you you should give to me what you've received in my house which is the green sash like he should have given him as the green sash and also like don't don't like get jerked off by my by my wife as well but specifically, he gave that back so yeah but it's specifically like the green sash he should have given the green sash back to him so that's like the fatal of friendship and then i think there was another one i can't think of what else did he oh uh, well then also like the giants of like kind of like yeah like he's he's acting lazy instead of, of asking to you know, can I can I get hatch can, can I ride with you giants on your shoulders and stuff like that? So yeah, like it, it's essentially like he he fails on these tasks that are put in front of him, like or sh- or things to show that he's being, you know, the having the virtues of of a Arthurian knight. So yeah, and then it isn't until the very end with the green knight and it's not until after he sees like essentially like a a vision of his future that he's like oh like i need to like be you know chivalrous and stuff like that and not be a coward anymore and so yeah so too uh hubris like right in the beginning the 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 green knight was like yeah you whatever you do to me I'm going to do it back to you. And this fucker decides to go way ham and (laughs) cut his head off. And I was like, why? Like, I immediately thought, like, I thought they had a fight. Like, I thought, I thought Mm. they were going to be like doing a fucking epic battle. And like, they're going to have another epic battle next Christmas. And it was going to be like, I need to land the same blow. But nothing happened. There was no fight. And he cuts his head off. I was like, dude, you should have just like nicked them on the cheek or on the arm. Like just a little... And then yep. next year, just go by and then be like, all right, here, cut my yeah. hand or whatever, neck my cheek. Mm-hmm. This guy, no, fucking Sir Gawain just fucking goes full hand, cuts the head off. And I was like, why? Like, you yep. didn't have to do that. I was like, he's like a fucking swamp thing running around. I was like, why? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And then you could see, like, yeah, the disappointment on Arthur. But then, the, but then the question is left up to Arthur as well. Uh, like, and I think is, that's why he's also disappointed as well. Is that Arthur's like, it's just a game, you know? Just have fun. Don't don't cut off this man's head, you know? Like, it is yes, it is a game. But even in a game, you should show show you know, honor, honor. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, as well. I mean, yeah, that's all that stuff. I mean, I definitely didn't read up on any of the like that all your stuff you're saying about the like, like the five riches and stuff. Like, I'm sure that is clearly like in the uh, subtext of it, like we were saying. And but it's something like mo- like I didn't even you know pick up on that. Uh, I don't. A lot of people want, and I think that one thing that this movie is kind of really overall saying is that basically it's more important to, as you know, Alicia Vikander's character um, says, it's more important to be. A good man than a great one and he is kind of through this movie striving to be this this noble knight and this great hero and to get honor 
And then kind of to your point, Ariel, when these things happen that a knight probably should do come up, he kind of misses the boat because he's so caught up with the ideal of knight being a knight and the ideal of chivalry and, and all that stuff that he completely misses the boat on actually living up to those ideals and being a good person because he's so caught up with trying to be a great person. And it's also what you were talking about, Alan, is he could just go out and like this guy shows up and he's like, oh yeah, like you said, he could just cut him on the hand or just give him a cut on the cheek or something simple, you know, anything. But he's like, oh, I need to be this great warrior. And he's like, all right, ah. And he's like, I need to live up to the expectations of my my uncle who was the greatest warrior who's ever lived. My uncle's fucking King Arthur. And I think King Arthur is really interesting in this because he is this embodiment of these ideals, these chivalric ideals, but he's also kind of sickly and fading and showing kind of that these ideals, while they're good at their core, like he was a, like a good king, maybe there is something just wrong about just sticking to the letter of it and trying to attain this greatness for greatness sake. And it's, and he should just go and like live with Alicia Vikander, you know? And I, I really love all of that. That's something about the movie that that really spoke to me. Just and it's it spoke to me even more on this rewatch. Like as soon as that she said that thing, I like wrote it down in my notes. But I also just love movies that this is like I think I've mentioned on this podcast before about how this movie really is the perfect straddling of the line between kind of like metaphorical storytelling and neorealism but not going too far into that where you're just like, what does any of this fucking mean? Like a lot of it is open to interpretation, but it's not completely out there where you're like, what did I just watch? This feels like surreal nonsense. It is still grounded, but it is weird enough. And I think a big part of that re uh, comes from because it was a, in the original cut, because this movie was supposed to originally release at South by Southwest on March 16th of 2020. Obviously, that didn't happen, and then it was supposed to get a wide release in May, that May, so David Lowry essentially had six months, and he's like, I didn't really like this original cut, and he kind of reworked it to not just the ending, but the whole film to kind of make it more of his vision, make it more of this kind of like, you know, that give it that weird A24 feeling that I really love, because this is a movie where it is just kind of like the vibes and the cinematography and all the effects and it, the way that it combines the old the kind of old practical effects with the new stuff like there's all these digital matte paintings which is a very old way of doing a movie in a very with using very new tools like when they go through that that gate to Joel Edgerton's castle that's a digital matte painting you know when they when the green knight's head gets cut off they they drop a practical head and like they do like a green screen head so there's i watched a little like cuz i just got the 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 dvd the blu-ray and I was watching some of the bonus features, and it is really cool the way they make this this all look. But um, yeah, I think all of that really does a good job. I think Lowry is a one of my absolute favorite directors, and sometimes he can be a little too metaphorical. With like Ghost Story is one that I watched from him that was kind of like, what even is any of this? Like I still liked it, I think, but it dipped a little too far into that. But it 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 and it's so it still does maintain that kind of ethereal weirdness that feels very appropriate for something based on this kind of legend. And just another thing I wanted to touch on too, real fast, while I'm rambling here, 
is Alan, you know, you brought up how great a lot of the performances in this were. And this is the, like, I've, in the past, I hadn't really been a big fan of Dev Patel. I didn't think he was very good in Slumdog. Um, he showed up a couple other things and I thought he was fine. But this is where I think he really comes into his own. Like, he is incredible here. And also, like, everyone's really good in it. You have, all, like, a lot of A24 regulars in it. Yeah, Joe, um, Ralph Innocent, who has the greatest voice ever. Like, he's so good. He's just like, the great, he's like, with a bitch, cut on the cheek. Like, I can't even do it. He's got this amazing deep voice. But the one that really stood out for me is Joel Edgerton. Just like, he is having the time of his life in this movie. Like, he's just like, oh, yes, tell me, go away. And like, what is this? Like, he is just having absolutely so much fun in this movie. But all of that to say, I think that this movie and the themes of just kind of him being good and growing a lot as a character are something that is definitely present in a lot of Christmas movies. A lot of Christmas movies, you see a kind of character, a character that has a maybe a big fatal flaw, and a lot of Christmas movies are all about character growth. And this movie is really a film that is so much about character growth. We can get into the more the nitty-gritty of what makes a Christmas film, but I think from a thematic standpoint, just starting there, it really is. So what did you guys think about whether or not this is a Christmas film? Thinking that, like, going back to, like, what I was saying about Christmas stories and films and something like that where it's like a lesson is learned very much it does tie back to like those virtues of like being kind being generous being you know chivalrous and and honorable as well you know we just talked about about a, a version of christmas a christmas carol on on my podcast of, of you've never seen and just like that that element of like you know being charitable being kind being a person that does does good and like like a christmas story says like i will live as as if it's christmas every day christmas you know Carol, the, not christmas story yeah i did that as well like on my podcast <laughs> but i i said i said uh, yeah i meant a christmas carol i i, I yeah i just messed up once okay uh <laughs> but this time at least but but yeah, like it, it's just essentially that whole feeling of of being a good person. You know, that's what comes down to like what a Christmas, a lot of Christmas movies are about of like a person that's in whatever way and for whatever reason is like not the greatest is an unlikable person. And then along the way goes on, you know, self self-reflecting journey to see that oh i'm not a good person i need to change you know so yeah very much so like clearly like this this movie is a christmas movie because of that not just because it takes literally takes place between two christmases i mean like they they don't even pay attention to the rest of the year it literally just yeah. takes place between christmas. two christmas times you know yeah they skip over everything else and it's just two christmas times but but yeah I mean, the whole fact of like it, the the Green Knight being a tree as well, um, you know, could you could stretch stretch that to be like you know Christmas tree, green green Christmas tree and stuff like that. But can I but can I give you a little bit of trivia real fast about the Christmas uh, about the Green Knight and how maybe he even ties a little more into Christmas? Is that the direction that David Lowry gave him when he comes back, um, when he's mm -hmm. kind of at the end and he's a little more let's say jolly? He tells him. He tells uh, Ralph Innocent, play him like Santa Claus. And mm -hmm. Ralph Innocent was like, I know exactly what you mean. So there we yeah. go. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you get that very much feeling of like, you know, like of of the Green Knight representing, yeah, this like it, it, like ghost or or being that, you know, is is like it doesn't want you to fail. And I really think that and that's why I inter do the interpretation that I do at the end of this movie and, and how I interpret the ending is because he very much feels like he's doesn't want Sir Gain to fail. And he wants just even like being like kind of playful with him in a way when he's like backing away and and being scared of of you know the blow and he's just like you know I didn't hey I didn't back away when when you you know gave your blow and stuff like that it's very much in a playful way so yeah I definitely see that um coming through with his, with his performance and and yeah it, it it even to that like the character of of the Green Knight being that kind of like very much at the end kind of approachable whereas i guess you can say the first time that that they meet he is somewhat unapproachable but mm -hmm. in their re-meeting it's like in a in a very approachable um sense as being kind of like you he does truly doesn't have anything to fear and that's mm -hmm. why i interpret it as like i think he let him go you know like he he's like you proven your worth like you proven your honor by taking off the sash and he says like you there like that is my good knight i think he says or he he essentially calls him a knight and so therefore he's like now you're honorable to be a knight kind of thing yeah yeah i mean uh, my favorite part of him being santa claus is when he goes off with your head ho 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 <laughs> merry christmas <laughs> He does have a great, like, jolly laugh when he rides. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing, too, is, like, he says that line so jolly that it's, like, it seems like, ah, oh, get out of here, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I was really hoping he let him go, because I was like, all right, he learned his lesson. You know, he had the whole fucking Twilight flashback from the end of Breaking Dawn yeah. or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, let him go. Like, better here. <laughs> fucking yeah i was like all right I, I hope he got i hope he was cool with it he did give his like i, I think he gave him two directions i think he was like at the end be santa claus but at the beginning be the headless horseman i want to see your best headless horseman interpretation because damn that scene was pretty sick of him just holding his head <laughs> and i was like whoa where's ichabod i didn't know he was Ar yeah. arthurian holy shit <laughs> well kind of ironically like yeah like un, uh going that is kind of like what sir grain follows is an ichabod kind of character of of being a little cowardly or scared easily mm -hmm. so, yeah so alan where do you what do you land then what's what's your what's your answer here i want to say yeah i want to say like because yeah. it's I, I like when they do like a unique kind of twist mm -hmm. on it i mean obviously i don't think that's that was the main like draw of like you know i, I don't i don't think a24 and the director were like yes this is a christmas movie come watch or whatever you know like i think it's just a cool interpretation of having a christmas story in like an arthurian legend i think it's a cool little mismatch because i feel like they were trying to give off of like christmas is like this big event and you know they're all celebrating and they're all having a great time and putting a little twist on it with the game and the green knight. I mean, all the, the points you guys brought up are pretty much what I was going to say. Like they're very valid. Like, yeah, you know, 
a Christmas story is typically someone learns their lesson and it's the spirit of Christmas. Well, well, there you go. Like, like how I hope it ended was, yeah, he, he, he got away. Okay. And, and everything. And then they have the, the post credits where I didn't even know there was a post credits. I was like, Oh shit. I had to go back and look it up. And the the little girl was that supposed to be like his future kid and it's it's yeah it's open to interpretation but it, so yeah maybe it's like one of the possible futures if he does survive then it's like this could be his kid you know cool yeah I th- I thought that was kind of funny I was like wow okay the, I thought it was like the last movie to have a post credits but when it said the Green Knight will return and the Avengers I was like all right I guess you know. <laughs> No, yeah, I think, you know, one point that gets brought up a lot um, in, in, like, these debates on, oh, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Is X a Christmas movie? You know, is is can it be set at a time other than Christmas? And that's something I kind of agree with because, yeah, I don't think you, you really couldn't set this at any time other than Christmas because it's all about the festivities. There's, like, even gift-giving in this. Um, and it, but it is all about, like, oh, we're here. At the, it's the Christmas game, you know? And then he's he's got to go off, and he's Joel Edgerton's like leaving because New Year's just around the corner. And I think that what's really important about this movie being at Christmas is one thing about this movie that I love is it's kind of this really and it's because of the time period that it's set, and because the Green Knight himself is just kind of like nature embodied, and it is this kind of crossroads between you know the modern world and just kind of the old natural world. And I think that Christmas in a lot of ways, kind of does that, where so many traditions and things nowadays are so modern, and Christmas, like, as our modern tradition, is is that, because a lot of the traditions that we see in Christmas that we don't see in this movie are from, like, the, like, Victorian age, like, the 19th century onward, like, you're not going to see Christmas lights and Rudolph in this movie, because those obviously modern inventions, but you do see kind of, like, the older christmas like this movie starts out with them saying christ is born you know because you know uh, that's the whole thing about christmas and i i uh i love that it does exist at this intersection of the kind of like old beliefs the old ways this old green knight who kind of represents nature and then the new arthurian ways and it is this middle lane like i was talking before about how like it's perfectly equally balanced between metaphorical and just kind of more like straight down the line I think that it balances the kind of nature and modern world and then kind of Christianity and paganism in a really interesting way mm-hmm. because even Christian or even Christmas today has all these really interesting ties back to older traditions, you know, the way people used to live their lives before, you know, the Christmas tree is is very kind of like like a lot of people think it has all these pagan things. Christmas itself happens on December 25th because it is the winter solstice. People who, when they were first kind of starting to celebrate Christmas, they're like, let's just, people are already celebrating on this day. Let's just kind of make our holiday this, and we'll kind of combine a lot of our new traditions with these older traditions. And I just absolutely love that synthesis. So if you set this at any other time, you lose that thematic thread. And that is a thread that is so prevalent and interesting in this movie. Yeah, I agree with that. Absolutely. What do you think, Ariel? No, I can see it going that way as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I don't agree with that whole rule of like, oh, if it could take place at any other time, then it sh- it's not considered a Christmas movie. I don't I don't agree with that kind of thing. I just think like 
if it so has that feel lethal weapon a christmas movie because that's an interesting one because I, I haven't think... actually seen lethal okay. weapon uh, in a long time but like for die hard like i yeah i was skeptical too before i watched it for the first time but i watched it i'm like fuck this is a christmas movie you know Although i was like die hard it does kind of have to be said at christmas because he's going home for the holidays and you know it's it's a christmas party he's his kids are there like i think that I'm not saying that's like a hard and fast rule. I'm more into like kind of like it has to have Christmas vibes and kind of a Christmas aesthetic. And this one I feel like does that too. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, Ariel. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's the thing. It was like I, I, if the vibes work, then the vibe, then it's a Christmas movie, you know? So that's, that's my rule, I think. And that's just how it works, I, in yeah. my opinion. Mm -hmm. Like, I would because I wrote this this um, piece a, a, like a year or two ago now um, about how I think Catch Me If You Can is like a sleeper Christmas classic and nobody really considers it a Christmas movie, but but it does have all that Christmas stuff in it that people just don't really think about. Um, and one of the things I said is I think Christmas movies are a lot like westerns. Like it's not like there are themes, there are kind of plots that you see in a lot of them, but they can be all these other genres. They can have be set in different time periods they can you can have like a space western or like a western set in the modern day or a very traditional western or an anti-western and it's the same with christmas movies you can have like a christmas musical and or you can have like a christmas movie like this or you can have like an animated christmas movie you you can do all of these different things and it's all about the kind of vibes and aesthetic and it's kind of like you know a western when you see it you also to me know a christmas movie when you see it I mean, Black Christmas is a fucking Christmas movie. It's in the title, and that's a slasher. Mm -hmm. That's like one of the original slashers, you know? So, yeah. um, but I think it is It is a really cool thing. Christmas is just kind of another, just like, it's a, like a, it's, a, it's honestly its own genre. And um, there's this really um, great book that um, I haven't got a chance to read yet, but I've read this first book. John Truby, um, who wrote Anatomy of Story, just came out with a book called Anatomy of the Genre. And I was listening to, he was just on Beyond the Screenplay, talking about this kind of genres and how the genre you use is like you have to kind of, like it's not like you have to tell the story but like certain genres lend themselves so well to certain types of stories and certain morals and just like any other genre christmas does that with the kind of you know you see it probably first with you know a christmas carol about scrooge kind of learning and stuff like that but, you know, every so many Christmas movies do that. And a lot of one other thing I forgot to mention, a lot of Christmas movies are kind of about family and family strife. You know, that's a big thing with Christmas is going home for the holidays. And then you get there and John McClane's wife wants to divorce him or Kevin's parents leave him home for like a home alone for the holidays or whatever. And this one is like about his mom kind of sets him on this trial. You can look at it certain ways. Was she more malicious? Was she just trying to test him? And David Lowry did say that, like, that character, the Morgan Le Fay character, was kind of inspired by his own mother. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 and one of the, like, analysis that I was watching even explained, like, her contradictory kind of things that she, that she does. Like, if, if you, it is to inter be interpreted that she possessed, like, the, the spirit of, like, the fox or, or even the woman with the bandages over her eyes because, you know, similar to how she had the bandages over her eyes or the blindfold over, over her eyes while she was casting the spell as, like, ways to see him. But, like, specifically with the fox, like, it being contradictory to, to her sending him on this journey as well as, like, the fox, her 
being the fox, which you could kind of hear her voice as well. Well, at the towards the the tail end of that scene, of um, of saying like don't don't continue on, just like come back, you know, kind of thing. So it's like kind of contradictory of like, well, you sent sent him on this journey, but then you're telling him to come back. It's kind of like still reminiscent of a of a mother as well, because you're she, like, yes, she wants him to learn, finally learn, like you know, push him off the deep end, but. Uh, may like it, to use the same metaphor like you know push him off the deep end but he's like been you know kind of like waiting water for kind of a somewhat too long way like a worrisome time and so maybe now she's like oh wait wait like you know let, let me try to save you and stuff like that so even that is kind of like reminiscent of of a mother's you know i want to teach you a lesson but i don't want you to get hurt you know, kind of thing. Mm. So, yeah, I I agree because I fucking hate that shit that my mom does. <laughs> yeah, that as soon as you were explaining it, I was like, yeah, moms do be doing <laughs> some bullshit like that. Uh huh. Yeah, because like it it could be interpreted like is the Green Knight is it like something that she like uh created and possess is possessing or is he you know actually just like she he she summoned him you know kind of thing like yes the the green knight is somebody that he knew and then there's that scene um where it's uh, right before you know the day that he awakens like you kind of get a a filtering of of different faces on his face like from um jordan Joel Egerton's character Ar king arthur even his mother is like one of the faces that filter over the green knight's face while he's like you know at, at night while he's like still asleep and so like yeah like the green knight could represent like these are all the people that you know that you know that are like essentially waiting for you to to finally be chivalrous to finally have that honor that they see like you know it's kind of like they see the potential in you but you're essentially wasting it away kind of thing so so yeah no no well uh any any final thoughts on the green knight or just kind of more kind of alternative christmas movies i guess as they're called because i i do love i've told i've talked before about how much those are my favorite christmas movies are the more alternative ones so it's no surprise that i love this but what, what did you get any thoughts on that guys before we wrap up uh i think i enjoyed it a lot more when i when i because I, I, like i said i kind of said at the top I kind of like ha I didn't enjoy it as much the first time that I watched it maybe because of the length of it and and I was I I did watch it in theaters like fairly late so I was possibly like kind of too tired and drowsy from it and then truthfully the nut the nutting part kind of like it was like very like what <laughs> um, um the first time around now this time around, okay, like I'm, I, I'm getting past that. All right, like let's see what the metaphor is because, okay, this is a metaphor. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a dirty, shameful thing that he carries with him, and all, once he casts it aside, he can, he thinks it'll protect him, but it's actually shameful, and that's when he becomes great. I just love well, that. Well, like the, the, the sash, like even the one his mother gave him was mm -hmm. still like, still had that shame connected to it because of mm -hmm. like it being like a protection. So, yeah, like he he. And then it, yeah, yeah. Just the way they like are like just in case it wasn't clear, we're gonna make it even more dirty and shameful. Yeah, yeah. 
but uh but yeah so like with this time around and i think uh, listening to to you know interpretations of it and trying to like take the hopeful path of of the ending as well i i think i enjoyed it a little bit more this time around and with this viewing than i did last time and and just kind of like staying like yeah getting that knowledge of okay like these are the virtues and or just overall like you know just the to be it's just to be trying to be chivalrous and trying to be noble and honorable that's the key kind of thing to take away from it at least for me and that's what what made it a bit more enjoyable for me but yeah like i i think i would be i i do enjoy like alternative kind of like um christmas movies you know because it is it does lend for a new space to discover and i really do i like how you were saying earlier about how christmas uh, is it can allow all these subgenres to to come out of it and and it it's really a cool thing to do to like see all these subgenres um coming out of christmas and and see what else comes out but not in a gimmicky kind of way, like because right now it's just like oh, like like sci-fi Christmas. But I'm like, I don't want it to be like you know, like uh, uh, Santa Claus, you know, fights the, the Martians. Martians. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> saves Christmas from the Martians or something like that. But yeah, it's if it takes itself seriously, you know, and it mm-hmm. it does like. Like and like, yeah, like a twenty-four kind of style, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anything yeah. can be done well, you know. Like, mm-hmm. you, as long as you—that's one thing too that that Truby talked about a lot on that episode of um, Beyond the Screenplays. When you're combining genres, you really have to understand the thematics of both of them and combine them in a way where you are using the strengths of each genre, and you're not just like, I'm just gonna throw these two things like Christmas and sci-fi together because I think they'll be cool throw like really like david lowry's just such, such a smart guy like he he's like i'm gonna use all the kind of tropes of christmas movies i mean i'm not necessarily but like he does um and like all the tropes of fantasy in this kind of really interesting combination um so utilizing both of them in a smart way and not just throwing them mashing them together because you think that they will be a cool combination of genres is so important yeah i think it, it was pretty awesome like he clearly saw like po- possibly like oh like what it means to be a knight and the and the you know the traits of a knight in arthurian knight are very similar to like what christmas movies like ask a person mm-hmm. to be you know kind of thing so i think he he latched onto that and like oh that you know i could very easily meld these two you know tropes together just based on the morality of both being essentially the same yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like you know that Christmas is clearly on his mind because the movie's set at Christmas, and then he just like did the whole the Santa Claus thing, like the fact that he specifically told him to like Santa Claus. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, he was definitely thinking about like this having Christmas like themes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The only thing I wish was in it was my man Etrigan the demon because he's an Arthurian character, but we can't have it. We can't have everything, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but yeah, gone, gone. The former man rides the demon Etrigan, man. But yeah, no, I, I, I do like the the alternative Christmas stories, like you're saying. I think I prefer that much more, like this, and then obviously my favorite Batman Returns. So yeah. I, I, I kind of like when it's like I an add-on. That episode, guys. Mm-hmm. Go check that out. It was last year's episode. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. That's another great combination of genres, which is Christmas and and superhero genre. Really mm-hmm. well done by the interpreter and spooky, spooky too. Um, but yeah, no, like I was saying, yeah, I, I definitely think that this is a really great combination of these genres. I think that I, I will always love a great alternative Christmas movie, especially one that is done as well as this. And just one other Christmas thing that I forgot to say earlier that's in this that I don't know if it's intentional, but knowing Lowry maybe is, is there's a jingle bell in this. That's true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I remember looking at it and I was like, huh? And then it, just, it went right over my head. Is her bells like a, a a showing of shame, or is it like is that just like she just like has a a scarf with bells on it? Well, because she gives him the bell as kind of like a token, and then he, yeah, yeah, but because it's the... from her, it's from her scarf, yeah. and I'm just wondering, is like her scarf like a a, you know, like something that she has to wear to show that she's a. Oh, a uh, working woman kind of thing. Yeah, maybe, and that's why he's ashamed of it when, like, somebody asks she like the other version of her, like the, mm-hmm. the same, like she's the lady when she's, but she's still playing. She's like, oh, is this a token of love? And he just is kind of embarrassed, and he then that she loses it, and that's you know another failing of of one of those virtues is him just kind of like lying about this this love that he should have had. Um, so I thought that was a another cool moment and element, but but yeah, of all tying into the kind of uh, Christmas theme. But uh, I also just want to ask the listeners, um, and I was going to go ahead and I'll put it in the, uh, if you're listening on Spotify, go ahead and answer. I'll put the question in, is The Green Knight a Christmas movie? Let us know, vote yes or no on if this is a Christmas movie. Sorry to anybody who's listening on like, you know, Apple or. Well, um, we'll also, we should also post that on um, oh our Instagram. Yeah. On so the day us, of this release. On, so. Yeah. Let us know on, on Instagram how, um, if you're, if you're not on Spotify, um, Undercast Company, on all the socials, hit us up and, and let us know. Or let us also know what your favorite alternative Christmas movie is, because we would we would love to hear it. Um, so definitely check out all those social medias. Um, under Like I said, Undercast Company everywhere. We also have a Discord if you want to let us know there. So that's that's always fun. Um, you can just go. Uh, that's going to be in the description too. And then, of course, uh, I also want to mention that we are also we also have a Patreon, and we just made a new tier. And if you sign up at the new level that we've just um, established, where you can become a producer of the show, and then if you're on that level for six months, you can actually choose an episode. So we're gonna, this is the first time we're doing this. Um, you can choose. Let the fan. If you are a producer for six months, you choose an underrated film for us to talk about. And then I just want to kind of end with saying that uh, we are. This is our 99th episode um, of this podcast. We've obviously done some other podcasts. Ariel, as she mentioned, has her show you've never seen. Um, and I am wrapping up season two of Gateway episodes. Uh, and I do another podcast with my friend Damien. Can I say something? Uh, so we have like a whole family of kind of podcasts. But um, for here, our flagship podcast, we are about to hit episode 100. Our next episode, which comes out the day after Christmas going to be doing our 100th episode on stardust on that same day we're going to have a watch along in our discord so come and join us and watch the movie with us virtually uh, i think it'll be a lot of fun that is kind of the movie that started us off on this whole underrated journey that was kind of a, a spark for us so we would love to spend some time with you guys um, out there and, and watch that uh, if you can make it that would be so cool but thank you guys all for, for coming along 99 episodes so far with us because it's, it's honestly been a blast. And uh, Merry Christmas, 
happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, happy Solstice, happy whatever you celebrate. If you celebrate anything at this this time of year, uh, we want to wish you happy holidays. Bye, Merry Christmas. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, you're good. Merry <laughs> Christmas, happy holidays, everybody. And uh, I think the last thing I wanted to say was maybe the nut, because it's white, represented milk, milk and cookies, Santa Claus. <laughs> May- maybe that's the real Christmas thing right there. But yeah, happy holidays.